Welcome to the True CSGO Podcast, episode 75. Today we're talking ninjas in pajamas drama. The Asian and CIS miners have finished and some more roster changes as per, and then some sort of little bits and bobs and thoughts about relationships and the usual. Hey guys, this is Electro. Hey guys, I'm Guardian. This is Daps. This is Nico. This is Nifty. This is Chris J. This is Ferry. Code Zero. Flusher. Oh, this is Kerrigan. Are you listening to the truth? The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. The truth. CSGO podcast. Are we rushing in or are we going sneaky beaky like? So I reckon we should get to these miners first. The Asia miner and the CIS miner. The Asia Miner was won by Greyhound. Tyloo came second and MVP PK came third. These were, of course, being played for $50,000 and two spots in the Berlin Starletta Major. Uh, now, Greyhound weren't exactly the underdogs, Burumqing, uh, to win this. <coughs> um, and so it was kind of expected. Although, in the grand final that was played out between them and Tyloo, I think Tyloo were actually the better team. What really just happened in the last match of this best of three was at Malta, when absolute handbone, absolute handbone, uh, which was kind of out of the blue, not known for being the absolute star player on that team. In terms of star players, Sicko was definitely the standout on Greyhound, and of course he was the replacement for Sterling, who was actually doing very good things on Avant as well at the time, but not enough to bring them over the line. But uh, Sico had the best rating at the entire minors. He had 1.35, and he had an 81.8% win rate on opening duels. What a monster. Uh, as I said, I think Malta kind of saved these guys from coming second. They probably would have beat uh, MVP PK. Um, and Dick Stacy said in the interview afterwards with uh, Smix that he wanted to suck Malta's dick, which... I'm not sure how I feel about that. I don't think it's very good for sponsors, for, for, for starters. And uh, seeing as we're all trying to grow the scene, I think it was probably a bit of a misstep from him. Ty Lu, I thought, looked a little bit with uh, Freeman, uh, who was brought in to replace Excret. Excret's just been sold to BTRG. If you don't know who BTRG is, I don't know where you've been. They are one of the premier uh, teams in Asia. <laughs> BTRG now have three Indonesians. Um... I should say, they, they actually, it actually stands for Big Time Regal Gaming. They had three Indonesians, Impression, who used to be with Boot, Excurate, uh, Adren King, and the Chinese coach and Chinese player, Dreamer. They also have Fetch from Estonia, which uh, is pretty weird. I don't know why exactly he's on this team. He's doing that sort of... Um, uh, who, was the, uh, who was the bloke who uh, played there with them, with uh, Tyloo for a bit? Was it with Tyloo? I forget. Who was the bloody, who was the, um, he was a CIS guy. Oh, I can't remember. You'll, you'll be listening, you CIS, CSGO fans. You know exactly who I'm talking about. The guy who just inexplicably went over to um, um, Asia and was on a Chinese team f- for a certain period of time and then came back to a CIS team. Oh, whatever. Look, my point is they have Fetch from Estonia. He used to be with Hellraisers. Until recently, they also had Truth from Norway. Anyway, this is a big step down for Excurate. These guys have had pretty dismal results recently. They came 33rd in the DreamHack Dallas Chinese Open Qualifier, and they're currently ranked 9th in Asia, according to CSGO to Asia. So Freeman has uh, done better things for Tyloo, but unfortunately, Kevin Sasanto, friend of this podcast, he probably doesn't know it, but in uh, in my eyes, he is. 
um, may have a little bit of a climb to get back to the top of the Asian scene. MVP PK are actually ranked above Tyloo right now, and they played in the minor playoffs, which we'll come to in a moment. Uh, now, Avant, as I did mention, have Sterling and that he was doing good things, but these guys were creamed in the first match against Greyhound. Greyhound beat them in one map in particular, 16-0. Uh, worth noting, though, is that APOC, one of the players on that team, is 31, been in the scene for a very long time. I saw him play at Fox Studios maybe uh, eight months ago, um, which was a thrill, and uh, he's still fragging out. So all power to him. Now, one of the things I did mention, I did notice about the Asian miners is that the level of skill is, I mean, I, you know, I always, always notice this, but definitely this time in particular, the level of skill really stood out to me as being a lot lower than the European and North American miners that we had seen. Well, in particular, the, the European, I think, uh, it's probably too much to hope that Greyhound and Tyler were going to do big things at this major, but it is still nice to see them in the mix. Now, the CIS minor also happened at the same time, basically, and that was won by Forza, and Simon, or Simon, came second, and Dream Eaters came third. Forza were far and away the best team here. They had a large difference in the ratings of the t- of their players on the team compared to uh, Simon. Uh, who were the number two team. XE Power was pretty much the standout. He had a 1.39 rating over the whole tournament. And what was interesting, I guess, uh, that was pointed out by some people on Reddit, and for my part, it was definitely in the back of my mind. Simon had a, had a bit of a uh, accusation of match-fixing recently. You might recall I spoke about it about three podcasts ago. That was during their minor match against Esparta. And part of the uh, accusations came out because uh, some bets were revoked by some of the betting websites. And there was a clip with Ramzik, one of the, well, basically the Orpa from uh, Simon, who was standing still on long CT side in uh, Overpass. And he was scoped in and kind of wasn't really moving his mouse at all, despite seeing several players right there. It, it, it brought to mind old clips of I Buy Power's throw. Now, this was apparently cleared up by other pros coming in and uh, people on the scene with respect who said that Ramzik is actually quite well off um, and wouldn't need to throw a game. And yet he has a sticky keyboard, a keyboard that lags occasionally. And that was why it happened in the moment. Now, (laughs) I don't know if I'm crazy, but uh, those two things actually seem kind of mutually exclusive. If you're well 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 off enough, that you, uh, you would never think about throwing a match for a few thousand dollars. Surely you can buy a keyboard. And if you're in a team good enough that's going to make the minors, why do you have a keyboard that is lagging? I'm sitting at home here with an HP keyboard that cost me, I think, uh, $10, perhaps $14.99 with a mouse bundled in. Uh, and it hasn't lagged once. So I don't know what's going on there. That's a bit a bit weird. Anyway, these guys are second in the minor and will be playing in the Berlin style at a major in the new challenges phase. Um, and I think Spirit were a bit of a disappointment. I did mention them as one of the favorites. Those guys really didn't have the fragging power. Dream Eaters uh, in one of their matches absolutely fragged them out. Dream Eaters were also a bit of a surprise. I didn't know much about those guys. And when it came to the minor playoffs, which I guess we'll talk about right now, uh, they did manage to beat INTZ as well and qualify for the major. So what happened here? We had Tyloo coming from the CIS. Uh, Tyloo, sorry. 
MVP PK coming from the Asian miners. We had Dream Eaters coming from the CIS. We had Ints coming from North America, and we had North coming from Europe. Three of those teams could get through because one of the teams had forfeited. Uh, one of the teams had um, dropped out. I think it was Cloud Nine, perhaps. Yeah, which which meant we had an extra minor playoff to go around. Rather than last minor, when we only had two spots out of the four in the minor planes, we had three here. And the only team who didn't make it was MVP PK. They kind of got destroyed. But as I said, one of the coolest uh, results was seeing Dream Eaters beat INTZ. Not because I don't like INTZ, but because these guys uh, definitely didn't have as big a name as the players on that roster. And so this is a bit of an exciting time for those guys. North, uh, I guess, well, good for them that they actually made it in with a second chance this time. But uh, I'm still not convinced that they have a huge amount that they can do at this major. Beating MVP PK isn't exactly the uh, sort of, uh, what's the word? I'm going to have a sip of my coffee while I think of this word. Achievement. <laughs> uh, achievement that they can be that proud of. What a what a bizarre brain freeze. Um, I'm actually sipping a delicious coffee and drinking and eating one of the uh, most delicious muffins I've ever had in my life. My flatmate, uh, the Polish Gosha, who I guess you've heard about a couple of times now on this podcast, has uh, cooked some raspberry muffins. And they're they're actually life giving. They are um, life enhancing, in every sense of the word. They're moist on the bottom. The raspberries have melted into the uh, delicious coconut base, and they're crispy on top. It's <laughs> it's pretty much the highlight of my day. Let's move on to some of the drama uh, around ninjas in pajamas. So there's been a lot of drama about ninjas in pajamas recently, and it all stemmed from a little tweet that Fifth Laren put out, let me see, a month ago now, saying he'd like to talk to Richard Lewis about all the grievances he had against ninjas in pajamas. Well, those guys have talked, and if you haven't seen it now, welcome into the world. I hope it's been enjoyable in your bunker. I hope you didn't run out of baked beans too early. Uh, that was pretty exciting for... Um, people who are Ninjas in Pajamas fans, and maybe not exciting in the uh, enjoyable sense of the word, because what surfaced was that Ninjas in Pajamas didn't pay any of their players the prize money that they won in 2012, despite winning everything under the sun. Uh, and so Fifth Laren was still owed a ton of money, essentially, as were the other players. Or at least the other players who weren't Get Right, because Get Right, it appeared, had um, made his own business and was invoicing them separately. But... Um, what the result of this was as well was that they, the management at the time said, we don't know where the money's gone and uh, it's been taken by somebody who's gone overseas. This money was never recovered by the management and instead they offered Ninjas in Pajamas a new contract to sign in 2013 under new management and that money was never actually paid to them. So this has prompted all sorts of other things to come out. Um, other people who were involved in Ninjas of Pajamas who were doing work for them that weren't paid. Uh, and there's been a lot of scrutiny about the current CEO, Hisham Shaheen, or Hisham Shaheen. I'm not sure how to pronounce that name. Uh, who actually, it appears, was involved in the ownership of Ninja Pajamas during that time. 
um, even though he's come out and said that he wasn't and that he, <laughs> since this, since this uh, interview as well, that he is open to any questions or unresolved issues from any people currently involved in Ninjas and Pajamas or formerly involved in Ninjas and Pajamas. One of the other things that came out was that the players in 2013 were supposedly forced to check with the management about the girlfriends that they had um, because the management w- didn't think that some of the, girl f- the girls that the guys were going out with at the time were necessarily the best thing for the brand or for their mentality. Uh, there was a bit of a shitstorm about this. I actually don't think it's that uncommon for roles where you're representing a brand in a public space for there to be some stipulation about public relationships. The most notorious example of this is, of course, the pop stars in Asia specifically Japan and Korea, who have it in their contract oftentimes that they are either not allowed to date anyone uh, publicly or date anyone full stop or they're supposed to date someone from the same talent agency (laughs) to create storylines. So if I was Ninjas in Pajamas, I wouldn't have outlawed anyone. Um, I might have taken a leaf out of the Japanese uh, pop management guide and said, you have to date um, Get Right, you have to date Zaz. And uh, Forrest, you have to date Mimi and you need to be uh, seen in uh, public at least twice a month. And then you can break up once you lose the major. <coughs> now, as I said, there's lots of people coming out of the woodwork. Apparently, we're waiting for Freiburg to say things. Exist tweeted out after Fifth Laren did this talk with Richard Lewis that he fully backs up everything Fifth Laren said. And assuming that he is now has no longer ties to Ninjas and Pajamas, will perhaps come out in the near future and say things. There's also a call to Anders uh, uh, to come out and say something against Ninjas in Pajamas because he ran this channel called NIP TV back in the day and apparently was kind of screwed out of ownership of any of that and payment for any of that. So it uh, it looks like um, one of the oldest and most respected CSGO brands or esports brands full stop is slowly coming apart at the seams whether or not get right and forest uh are going to stick around remains to be seen i think it was in um a recent by the numbers that um richard lewis revealed some digging that he'd done had uncovered the fact that get right and forest have shares in ninjas in pajamas which is pretty awkward position to be put in um so it could be that this team limps along for a bit or has to reinvent themselves in some sort of public press release change of ownership way. Uh, one of the one of the other fallouts of this little bit of drama is that Boomich, he of QB Fire, Windstrike, and now Navi fame, tweeted out that QB Fire, Quantum Bellator Fire, owes him $94,000 from their little stint. If you recall... Those guys burst onto the scene. I think it was Krakow. Pretty sure it was Krakow. Um, out of absolutely nowhere, um, made the major. Were legends. Didn't really do anything in between the next major and then the next major bombed out. Apparently, uh, QB Fire owed them a bunch of sticker money and um, salary that they'd been promised. The former owner of QB Fire, Vyash, I'm not going to say this right, V-Y-A-C-H-E-S-L-A-V, Vyashslav, 
Soloviev. Soloviev. Vyacheslav Soloviev, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. I probably screwed that up. Uh, he came out and did an interview with HLTV in defense of, I guess, a preemptive sort of defense of what uh, Boomich was seeming to um, hint at because Boomich did say as well that the person who owed him the money was still at the miners, and that's been revealed to be Vyashlev, who is along with Forza. HLTV did say that he was just part of Forza's entourage, <laughs> so I don't know what that means. Uh, who has an entourage? Who's in someone's entourage? I don't know. It's confusing to me. What is he? Is he like XC Power's boyfriend or something? Um, anyway, he just he came out to say that nothing was owed. He gave some sort of account of the records of what he believed had happened. So it's a he said, he said, she said situation. It might require some more amazing detective work from uh, said Mr. Lewis. Um, or perhaps Boomich is going to get on the mic and spit it dirty style uh, post-major. Fingers crossed for that because that's going to be fun. Now, more news about... <laughs> teams and ownerships and stuff, which seems to be all the rage currently. Australis have announced that they are splitting from Refresh and will be sold to a new group called Australis Group. And Nicola Nyholm, the CEO of Refresh, will be resigning and going to be the CEO of Australis Group. Now, there's a lot of controversy around this, obviously. I've been reporting reporting i shouldn't say reporting i'm not reporting i'm just regurgitating really and interpreting the news uh there's been a lot of interpretation and regurgitation from me about the fact that the conflict of interest between refresh the owners of a tournament and australis the best team in the world uh possibly created finally it seems like they have divested themselves the real controversy or the question mark comes around the fact that the divestment seems like it's one on paper only perhaps um and one of the things that richard lewis has also discovered is that the company that is now australis group actually was formed in october of 2018 and was originally called refresh teams so it appears that there's a possible there's a possibility that refresh was actually planning to create more teams (laughs) and essentially have more um conflict of interest with the the parent company and possibly who knows create some sort of yearly tournament with just their teams playing at their own tournaments uh i'm not sure if that's actually the case but if it is kind of crazy one of the other things that came out of this um is that refresh actually lost 7.8 million dollars either last year or the last half of last year i wasn't quite sure about that but it appears they're their um, move fast and break things mentality might be breaking them quicker than it's breaking the scene. Uh, it's also been reported this week that their plans for... <clears throat> I'm going to get this wrong. Their plans for a final big major tournament where every team has played, I think it was five tournaments out of the seven, every team that was under contract, uh, and that would happen at the end of a 13th tournament, I believe, the end of the year, has been somehow... Uh, miscalculated because not all teams have at this point or will by the end end of the year have played five of the seven tournaments they need to so i don't know what's going on there someone's 
they need um they need valens to to cook the books there to make that one work um this is a good thing of course it's a great thing uh i don't know what nicola nyholm is is going to change about his management of australis and what it actually means for that team which is all, all i really care about at the end of the day um but if he is the ceo now in more than a name then at least at least these guys won't necessarily be forced into signing any contracts assumedly or supposedly uh with blast that perhaps next year they don't want to do so that's good for those guys perhaps taking a little bit of the pressure off let's move on to a tiny little bit of roster news elmer putty the coach of order has left he's out and order have announced that they are now coachless the pud said on his twitter it was a difficult decision to make so unless he's claiming more responsibility for that decision uh, after the fact which people are known to do in these circumstances but i don't know the guy uh it appears that he was not as happy as he wanted to be in the team and assumedly assumedly why do i keep it saying assumedly uh assuming and and supposedly supposedly it is supposedly isn't it assumedly I wonder if that's even a word. Uh, I, I guess supposedly he's going to go back to his YouTube channel and concentrating on that because he hasn't announced that he's going to another team. He can be contacted on emblemputty at gmail.com if you have some super opportunities for him. The order didn't really do what we were kind of hoping they would do under his uh, leadership. They had their share of hometown victories, definitely, on uh, the Australian soil, but... Um, Going down to Avant in the Asian minor qualifier was probably the precipitator of this. I don't think uh, those guys were expecting to lose to Avant, who definitely haven't been together as long as the core of order. And I guess with all the amazing tips and tricks that Elmer Putty is putting out via his YouTube, you would hope that these guys have a bit of an edge over um, some of the other teams that are playing. I don't know whether it... it I mean, I guess it could be a blessing and a curse if you've got a coach who's focused on little bits and bobs and strats and stuff. I think it would be good, actually, to speak to someone from Order or even the Pud himself uh, and see what went on there. I would be curious to know what sort of a coach he was uh, and if he's uh, thinking about doing it again in the future. Now, Epsilon have dropped their entire team. Their entire team was, of course, Spell and Brokey, Keto, Surreal and Crucial. These guys didn't make the minor open qualifiers for the umpteenth time for Europe this year. And I guess the organization was just like enough's enough. They're in 40th place. And the best they'd done recently was beating G2 and Game Legion at Shawa Esports a couple of months ago. Keto is apparently the player to look out for. If he can find another team, he'll actually be doing some good things. Uh, and that's about it for the CSGO news. I'm sure I've skimmed over a lot of stuff, but uh, you know what? I've got a lot of muffin still to eat. Let's talk a little bit about, I don't know, life. So I've been playing again this week, and you're actually quite welcome if you live in Australia to contact me on Twitter or the Discord and join a game. A few of my regular players are either too busy minding children right now or traveling, so I'm always looking for new teammates and... Uh, I'm hovering around Golden Over 1 <laughs> at this point in time. I'm terrible. I'm so out of practice. Uh, that's embarrassing. 
But it does mean that if you if you're silver, I'm sure we can queue. I'm pretty sure I can queue with a silver. Um, but if not, I do have a, a sneaky little alt, which is um, deranked pretty hard. So we can always do that. Uh, now, what's fun about playing again is that, and I think I mentioned this before last time, maybe maybe last December when I was playing, but the trust factor has just changed the way this game operates for me entirely it's like every single game i'm i'm matched up with like literal legends like dudes i'll be like just come to my wedding mate you're gonna be my best man get yourself a suit get in the car it's it's kind of remarkable how good it is uh the only the only bad match i've had well not bad but the only um, little sort of hark back to earlier days of the wild west of matchmaking pre 2017 was a match I had last night where um, someone was saying some really racist stuff. We had some Chinese players on our team, um, Chinese Australian, because they spoke in Australian accents, but they had Chinese names. And then there was someone on our team who said, shut the fuck up, chinks. Um, And it's always a bit weird when you're like, oh, God, really? And then the person who's being insulted it doesn't get bothered by it, neither bites back or just laughs at it. It does sometimes make me feel like a bit of a um, prim PC uh, policeman. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if someone's going to get offended by it, then I, I guess I will stand up. There's not too much going on right now in my life. <clears throat> um, sorry, there's, there's, I, I shouldn't say there's not too much going on. There's too, there's too much going on right now. And I'm, there's, there's so much, I'm not quite sure how to talk about it. But there is a little gem that um, happened uh, with a mate of mine a couple of days ago that I thought was kind of fun. I don't know. I just felt like a little moment of truth. And he was talking about his girlfriend who has been talking to a few of her girlfriends in their 20s who were dating guys in their 30s. And these girls were basically expecting the guys to take the relationship to the next level. They were waiting around for the guy to either, either propose or um suggest that they move in together or get a dog together or whatever it was um and my friend's girlfriend was like talking about them getting a bit frustrated but as my friend said if these guys aren't happy with their life then they're not going to push the relationship to the next level um because guys don't do that unless they're just doing it because they think they should and i, I don't think that really happens as much in your 30s as when you're in your 20s because in our 20s we're far more susceptible to social pressure and I think more susceptible to what people think, what we think people expect us to be doing. And I think that's where a lot of mistakes in relationships come out when you just think, well, I guess the thing we do now is moving together. I guess the thing she probably wants is to us to get a dog or for to get married or to have a kid or whatever it is. When we're not actually listening to how we feel about the situation and what we actually want. Um, and I think, especially in our 20s when we do that, and, and it, c- it can work out if we're happy with ourselves. But if we're unhappy with ourselves or our lives or where we're going, uh, then I think I think it's very... You're setting yourself up for a uh, potential fall. If one person is totally happy with themselves and one person isn't, I think there's a possibility that that person... That, that relationship can kind of work itself out with a kind of constantly sw- swinging dynamic. But I think 
the jury's out as far as I'm concerned as to whether two people who are in the same place of unhappiness can actually grow together into a sort of happiness. I'm sure, I'm sure anything's possible, but I think in the Western context where the options that we have for potential partners are basically like tidal in their nature, um, it's very difficult. It's like opening Tinder is, is, is kind of like standing on that beach in deep impact with this giant wave of potential romance and love and sex kind of coming towards you. And I think it's very, it's a very different dynamic that we have and a very different pressure that we have nowadays to, to make something work if we're both unhappy. I think it's, it's, it probably would have been easier in the past in some ways, if you've made the decision, no matter what, you're going to stay together and that's it. There's no other option. You kind of have to find ways to make it work, or at least in some circumstances. And now, if you're both unhappy and you're both making each other more unhappy, rather than one person making the first change, which is the hardest thing to do because you have to completely put aside your own ego, uh, it's easier to end the relationship and look for something else. I think it's also worth remembering as well when you're a guy whose girlfriend is getting a bit antsy um, about going to the next step. If that's not that's not a that's not particular to your girlfriend or your wife or your partner. That's actually that's kind of how people work, and especially women, especially women in relationships. Um, and I was reminded of this by none other than Salma Hayek, who I had the fortune to work with uh, this year for about six months, who said to me, you know, every woman wants to know what's the next step, what's the next stage. I'm always wanting to know what now. Okay, so we're together. So now what do we do? I'm happy that we're together. I'm happy we have a dog. I'm happy we have an apartment. Now what? Whereas men are basically just getting used to the idea that we've got a dog or we've got an apartment or we're settled now. If you are in your 20s or your 30s and you're thinking you've just settled down and you're getting used to a routine... I think the chances are that your girlfriend slash partner slash wife is already thinking about the next stage. It probably is probably greater than, than you think. And if you're not happy with who you are or your life, it may be that you're going to have some problems in your relationship before you know it. And thus ends my uh, relationship musings for the week. It is the 2nd of August 2019 and that's as far as my mediocre, watered down, slightly milky wisdom goes. <clears throat> that's the end of the podcast. Uh, what a weird one. I'm going to Melbourne for the next two weeks, so actually I won't be playing Counter-Strike. Um, but I'll be around and maybe I'll do a little interview if I can find anyone in Melbourne who'll talk to me. I think the pod might be in Melbourne, so that would be a nice one to track down. The music was by Beaufort. Uh, you can find that music at Beaufort.Asia. And uh, we're somewhat affiliated with CSGO to Asia. They've been doing some good stats, actually, across the minor, especially. Definitely the place to go for all your Asian CSGO needs, barring Oceania. Because why not? All right. 
contact us on the Twitter at thetruthcsgo.com. And until next time, enjoy the game. Mm-hmm.